Have you ever been half dead? And I'm not talking about the feeling you have when you come back from passport youth camp as an adult chaperone. Not that kind of half dead. Although it was a lot of fun to be with the youth at Northminster and Northside uh, just last month, and yes, I did feel half dead upon return. But I'm actually talking about the real half dead, the dangerous kind, the kind that we find in our passage this morning. This anonymous fictional man who's robbed stripped, beaten, and left half dead. Dangerously vulnerable, brutalized, victimized, violated, and left for dead. The word used for his wounds in this passage is where we get the origin for our term, trauma. Half dead. When I was a college student way back in the 90s, I was a serious BSUer. You guys know what BSU is? Raise your hand, happy and high. Now, I didn't simply just participate in the Baptist Student Union of my colleges. I was the president of both colleges and the president of the state's BSU. Big, big deal, right? I was so BSU that I was a summer missionary twice. At the end of my freshman year, I went to the Pacific Northwest as a revival preacher. But it's okay, this sermon's not one of those. (laughs) And at the end of my sophomore year, I went to the Philippines to be a summer missionary. And just after the midpoint of that summer, I contracted a mosquito-borne disease called dengue fever. We were so far out in the jungle that we we didn't have direct access to medical care. So as a, I think I was 18 or 19, I was either gonna make it there or not. And without any form of air conditioner whatsoever, the coolest place that I could lay on was the concrete floor in our small flat. And that's where I laid for about three days. I was in and out of consciousness, and there's really only two things that I remember beside this terrible pain in my body. One was a deep sense of sadness for my parents, because I thought about them having to receive my body at an airport or someplace like that. I just felt bad for them. And the other thing that I remember was Pastor John Araza the pastor at First Baptist Church, Bunawan, in Blue Beach. It seemed like every time that I would wake up, he was sitting on the floor with my head in his hands, and he was praying for me in Pangasinan, the local language. Spoiler alert, I made it. But if you've ever been half dead, and make it, you never ever forget who or what helped you survive. You never forget. 
Now, we know this story of the Good Samaritan so well that it nearly loses its impact on us, right? It's like a shiny brass foot of an icon that everybody touches. But that half-dead imagery, that gets me every time. And there's lots of interesting things about this passage. Number one, it's unique to the Gospel of Luke. It's found nowhere else in the entire Bible, just here. But Luke bases this story on Mark's story of the great commandments. You know that passage, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, that one, right? And now Matthew also has this story. He borrows Mark's story and, and, and uses it as well. But Luke does something wildly different in his story. And I promise you that's the case. I'll give you the scriptures afterwards in, in Mark and Matthew if you need it. In Mark, there's just a simple scribe who asked Jesus what the first commandment in the Bible is. And Jesus simply responds, the first, the first commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. After that, the scribe basically says, You're right. And Jesus responds, I know. <laughs> now Luke takes the great commandment to love God and to love neighbor and tells an entirely different story. Here it's not simply a scribe. In Luke, it's a Bible-thumping Pharisee. Kind of like I was back in my BSU days. But most translations have lawyer here, which makes us think of Rebecca Wiggs or Mark Wiggs or Cliff Johnson, right? But that's not exactly what this term means. It's a better translation would be something like Bible scholar, which makes us think of Eddie Mahaffey. Except this Bible scholar isn't quite as nice as Dr. Mahaffey, probably not as smart either. And Luke has this Bible scholar ask a completely different question, a different first question. Instead of asking Jesus what the commandment was, what's the first commandment, this Bible scholar asks Jesus, what must I do to be saved? Completely different question in Luke. And Jesus answers, what's written in the Bible? How do you read it? And here is where Luke is completely different. The Bible scholar tells Jesus the great commandment, love God and love neighbor. It's not only Jesus' lips. And Jesus responds, yes, do it and you will live. Now this is the end of the story, both in Mark and Matthew, done. But not Luke. Luke keeps the story going. The Bible scholar leans in. And who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story. The story. Now there's at least seven characters in the story of the Good Samaritan. This is the man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. 
It's the robbers. Now, we know there's at least two because it's in the plural here, but let's just say there's five of them, probably so. I mean, there's a lot of people on this road, and if they're going to assault somebody like that in broad daylight with other people around, it's probably more than just two. There's a priest. There's a Levi. There's the Samaritan. And then there's an innkeeper. That's the character. So out of that character, all those characters, who's going to be the neighbor? And before we get to the neighbor part, it's important to know that the man here, the man is totally anonymous. We don't know if he's a Samaritan or a Jew or somebody else walking to Jericho. Could be anybody. We don't know. But we're left to assume all kinds of things. The robbers, however, they're more than they just appear. The word that Luke uses here could probably be translated as brigands. That's a great word. Now, this was more than just robbers. This is an organized group. And the Jewish historian in the first century, Josephus, this is the term that Josephus uses to describe the rebels that ended up causing the Jewish revolt against Rome. So these aren't just robbers. They are rebels revolutionaries, mafia type, which makes us wonder now about this anonymous guy. Would they do this just to anybody? Well, the brigands, they take everything, even the man's clothes, and they leave him half dead. And in that condition, a priest comes by. Now, it's worth noting that the Bible scholar who started this whole conversation, that Bible scholar would have looked down on a priest. This is the quintessential Pharisee versus Sadducee uh, division in the New Testament. This, this Bible thumper, he's a Pharisee. Anybody associated with the temple, a priest, a Levite, those are temple people. There's a big rival here. So this is temple versus Torah all over again. So the Bible scholar probably bristles to hear that a priest is coming. Is this the neighbor? No. The priest passed by as far away on the other side of the road as he can. And the Bible scholar's thinking to himself, of course he does. That's what those people do. You know how us religious people get with each other, right? Probably a Southern Baptist. <laughs> Same thing. And then comes a Levite, another temple worker. Is this the neighbor? No. He passes by as far on the other side of the street as possible, just like the priest. And of course he does, says the Bible scholar. Those guys are basically the same people anyway, probably Methodist. <laughs> and then a Samaritan. Now it's interesting. Is the Samaritan going to hurt this man even worse? Is the Samaritan going to take his life? Because that's what Samaritans do. We all know Samaritans. 
And the Samaritan came near, and the Samaritan saw him and had compassion on him. He bandaged the man and cleaned his wounds and took him to a safe place and provided for his recovery. Well, didn't see that one coming at all, says the Bible scholar. And Jesus then asked the question, as Jesus tends to do, who's the neighbor to the destitute man? Bible scholar, self-righteous, the one who showed mercy. You can almost hear the disgust in his voice. The Bible scholar couldn't even say the Samaritan, the one who showed mercy. Go and do likewise. There are throngs of people who are half dead walking around Jackson, Mississippi and throughout the state of Mississippi. They're like zombies among us. And many of you work with them as social workers, as nonprofit managers, as doctors, as attorneys, and even as ministers. Northminster, you are the neighbor. You are. You, Northside Baptist over in Clinton, University Baptist both in Hattiesburg and Starkville, you are known as the neighbors in the state of Mississippi. And I, I'm humbled to represent you in this state. I'm the lucky one that gets to talk about what kind of Baptists we are as neighbors. But let's, let's act a little like Luke this morning and expand the story. Just like he rearranged Mark a little and developed the story even more, let's be biblical like Luke this morning. Let's go back to those robbers those organized rebels that nearly killed this man. Let's expand the, the story this morning and ask, what kind of social situation creates people like that? How can we create a road to Jericho that is safe for everybody? Not by catching these guys and locking them up and being tough on crime, but by building a social structure where everybody matters, from the brigands and robbers to the priests and Levites and even Bible scholars. A society where we care enough to care for the powerless with both direct services like the stew pot, and systemic change at the policy level that begins to create a more equitable place to be. 
Let's join with other Good Samaritans in the Jackson area in Mississippi and create something like a Jericho partnership where there will be fewer and fewer half-dead and maybe less potholes on the road to Jericho. If we can do that here in Jackson and across Mississippi, we may move from the ministry to the half-dead to a ministry of the resurrected. Now that would be good news. So may Jesus' words ring in our ears. Go and do likewise. May it be so.